Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Fraz. I'm Redacted. Welcome back. If you've made it this far, we love and appreciate you and are so glad you're on this journey with us. Literally couldn't be happier. And I brought a friend from my real life. Fraz has someone for show and tell you guys. Everyone be quiet. This is Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Ashley and I got our teaching credential at the same time. Yeah, back in 2018. 17, 18, right? Yeah, 17 into 18. She knew that I was a hot mess express long before literally any of you did and now you're not teaching anymore yeah yeah I'm not I am actually now in OT school I went back to school and I I'm just taking it. on a new path congratulations on the new path and on no longer teaching so from your time in the classroom what did you teach I taught third grade at a public elementary school very nice was that did you like you're like I want to teach third grade or were you like I want to be a teacher and they were like you'll be teaching third grade I think I wanted to do more upper grades just because of the things they learn and I was a big fan of writing and third grade is when you really start writing I did like that third grade has a smaller class size than fourth and fifth but that's really what the school had available the school actually had second grade available but I I did my demo with a third grade classroom and that's where I ended up and I did like it I, I like third grade curriculum I think it's interesting but I do I do like fourth and fifth the only issue I had was like the bigger class size. <laughs> yeah, because fourth grade in, in California, at least, or I should even say like in Southern California, because everything is just so different everywhere. Yeah. Although as people who watch my videos know, they also tried to put 35 kindergartners in my yeah. kindergarten class. So allegedly there's a cap at 30. Typically that ends up at 27 has been my experience. But in fourth grade, they're like 35, 40, like you can have more kids. Yeah. So my classroom was a lower number because the school had the funding to have like an extra teacher. So I had 26 third graders, but by fourth and fifth grade, you reach about 30 and maybe even like up to 35, I think. 35 fourth graders in one room sounds literally terrifying. Like if you drop me off in that room, I think I would like call the emergency management department and be like, I, this has to be violating some kind of law. This cannot be okay. There's not enough adult brain cells in this room. And I'm like, I'm not very tall. So some of them are borderline bigger than me. <laughs> that is a whole lot of not full frontal lobe development. That that could be a mutiny. Anyway, I mean, I taught high school before my frontal lobe finished developing, so there was not a single frontal lobe in that room. You did. You were a youngin. <laughs> When the district health department came to do an inspection, they thought I was a child and demanded the teacher come back immediately. And it was like a whole thing. Oh my God. One time I was teaching in a high school, I was teaching theater at the time. So I was like a visiting teacher and I was walking down the hall and two separate people yelled at me and were like, where is your hall pass? I got dress coded when I went to another school for a PD. Uh huh. I was like, am I free to go? Somebody <laughs> saw me leaving. They were like, uh, where are you going? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I realized, but yeah, it's bananas. I mean, third grade is what got me to quit. Anyway. <laughs> So how long were you teaching third? I only taught for a year. You um, only taught for a year? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I didn't I, know that. Yeah, so like OT was something I, I think I was always interested once I learned what it was, but I didn't know what it was until actually like teaching. For our non-education folks, what is OT? OT is occupational therapy. In the most basic terms, like if any occupation you can think of, like as basic as dressing, feeding, if you ever get like a condition, an injury that prevents you from being able to do those things, occupational therapists will help 
help you get back to doing those things independently. I love it. And occupational therapists exist both within schools and outside of schools. Yes. So So there's like a wide range of where you can work from like schools, hospitals, private practices. Um, You can even today we learned about ergonomics and work and like how you can work in those settings as well. That's awesome. So teachers listening who quit or maybe want to quit, (laughs) this is a great option. OTs are in high demand and very valuable as long as you can handle probably having an insane caseload. Um, (laughs) You know, this is something that teachers can do. Like how long is the schooling for you? Like how long are you going back to school for? So my program is a two-year program. Um, I did have to take some prerequisites prior to coming back. So once I left teaching, I ended up just being a full-time nanny. So I could do prereqs at the local community college by me because I have a non-science like related background in terms of my undergrad. Should be done by next year, December. I started earlier this year. Yay. Do you want to teach yeah. at a, do you want to do OT at a school or I think I know I do want to do pediatrics. I know I still want to work with kids. I think part of the appeal for OT for me was working with kids one-on-one and or in very small groups. I like having that one-on-one time. I think that's why I love being a nanny. I think I would like to try to work at a pediatric hospital, like work with kids with neurodegenerative stuff and some of those long-lasting impairments as well. Yeah, that is so cool. So like, why did you leave? Like, give us the tea. Can you give us the tea? I can give you like what my experience was, I think. I love Um, I, I know I probably could have tried another school, but I think the biggest thing for me was having too many kids. Like I found myself not being as effective as an educator, even with 26, which isn't even a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. I think I really struggled with classroom management. It was a really hard for me. I also worked in an area where parents were very entitled and looked down to me because I was younger. Like, okay, cool. I also felt very unsupported by my administration which didn't help it was also a crazy year because that's when you know like the strike and all that happened yeah it just blows my mind the level of entitlement that people feel I've worked on both sides of LA so I've worked on the west side it was bananas I had some really awesome parents on the west side I had some really awesome kids but I had some experiences that I was like what makes what goes through your brain that makes you think that it's okay to say that to me? Like, what are some kind of things that people have said? Because I've never really had that experience. I've never had a. I've definitely had parents I've like had a rift with, but I've never had the experience of someone who said something that I was like, "You're not entitled to that." Like, what do you think this is? So, like, what kind of things do people say? What do they ask for? Do they just call you and they're like, "This worksheet sucks. I found a better one on Google." Like for me, the main things were like, "Why are you doing it this way, not this way?" And I was just like, there was just like a lack of understanding, mm-hmm. which was like pretty frustrating and it's just like okay like I'm trying my best or like I think like when things would happen if they didn't like it there's a way to approach a situation and I think sometimes things were approached unprofessionally a little yeah. bit they weren't regarding you as a professional in that setting yeah and more I like think talking that, to me like talking down like oh that was bad like you're, yeah. you're a kid <laughs> and I think that people underestimate how toxic a work environment can be as a teacher if your parents are not for you if they're actively trying to like one up you or show you up or what have you it creates a really toxic environment so quickly especially when I think as teachers we so often have that imposter syndrome where we're like very qualified but beaten down by society 
and the profession in general to the point where we're like, do I know what the heck I'm talking about? Like, I don't feel good in my teacher skin right now. If mm-hmm. parents are reinforcing that, it gets bad quick. Yeah, I think a lot of it too was just like, I was so overworked. Like I was living like 50 yes. miles away from the school. So I would drive super early, get to school like before the sun came up. I did make a pretty good rule about like not working past four, which was good, but yeah. I was just like exhausted all the time. Yes, and I want to talk about that really briefly too. You you and I live in LA. One of the biggest issues in my opinion that I've talked about with LAUSD is the inequities across the district, but also mm-hmm. the fact that it's nearly impossible to live within or near a lot of these communities that teachers are teaching in. So yeah. if you <laughs> teach in Brentwood, you cannot live near school. You are automatically no. doomed to have to take a commute on the 405 every single morning because I, I mean, I guess you don't necessarily have to take a 405, but I would have had to. So you can take side streets. This isn't a dictatorship. The side streets, though, are so long to take. I mean, and they're backed up. They're backed up. They're backed beyond. up just, just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. If you even mm-hmm. get near Sepulveda, you're screwed. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I think that it's such a valuable asset for teachers to live in the communities where they teach or at the mm-hmm. very least adjacent to them. But if you're mm-hmm. teaching on the West Side, you can't afford any of that on a teacher salary you need to find yourself a rich partner who's gonna support (laughs) you and be your sugar baby no you're gonna you're the sugar baby (laughs) you need to be a sugar baby to teach on that side of LA on day one of new hire orientation they're like raise your hand if you have heard of seeking arrangements right it's a great website we're gonna sign everybody up when I was working in the bougie part of LA on the west side I was living in a studio apartment commuting an hour and a half both ways a studio apartment with Mm -hmm. no windows that was $1,300 a month I'm pretty sure it's illegal to have a apartment with no windows how did you find this it had a sliding glass door oh never mind perfectly humane yeah that was it i did have one window but it had a window unit air conditioner that was completely Mm. boarded so you couldn't whatever no refrigerator no no appliances whatsoever just queen I don't know how to say this respectfully. That was a storage unit. You, unfortunately, were living in a storage unit. I was so <laughs> proud of that because I had just gotten out of like this insane shit. Oh, I went through my breakup with you, Ash. You know about it. <laughs> Nobody knows about it anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay. I want to know. Remember that okay. Time for I got dumped at school. over here. At the school? In this program that Ashley and I did, we would student teach in the morning and then take class in the evening, afternoon times. And I was teaching in first grade. And my ex at the time who lived in a home with me, not the one with no windows in the actual apartment, he called me, we were talking and I was like, are you, are you okay? Like, are you good? And he was like, yeah, I'm fine. So we hung up and he was out with some friends. And then I got a call back and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I like looked at my mentor teacher and I was like, hey, I'm going to step out. I'm going to take this phone call because he called me back. Like, it seemed like that's weird. So I want to make sure everything's okay. He's out with friends right now. I stepped out and he literally started breaking up with me on the phone four years into our relationship on the phone in the middle of the day. And I'm like, it's Friday at 1 PM. I'm teaching right now. And he was like, Oh, I didn't realize that you were teaching. And I was like, what have I been doing for it's April? Like, you know, that I teach that happened. And literally that was the point in time when like my world exploded because I have no income. Cause when you're a student teacher, you can't work. He was Mm -hmm. supporting me. I lived in our apartment that we shared. He found me the apartment with no electricity, no refrigerator, no furniture. (laughs) 
<laughs> with no windows that I moved into. He said, your castle awaits, you're free now. <laughs> yeah, literally. So Ashley knew me then when I was, I had two giant dogs that I didn't know what to do and it was crazy. So my friends were doing my homework because I was like, I'm quitting. I'm not doing this anymore. And my friends were like, it's April, you're almost there. Like you have you're like- You're so close, yeah. Yeah, so close to the end, just finish. We finished in May. We did, yeah. We yeah. Finished in May. yeah. You just had to suffer for a couple weeks. You're like, you just got to get through this pain of suffer and you're good. And you made it. You made it. Ashley carried you to the finish line, she like did. in a movie where they hold someone and their body's like draped backwards. That was you and Ashley in your credentialing program. I'm not kidding. I am so bonded to the people from my credential program, like forever indebted to them for being so nice to me because that was a time that was very, very very dark and it's so funny that I like I don't talk about it anymore and then as soon as we said that I was like oh my god Ashley was like there like wow crazy pants time yeah I know look how far how far you've come I know I was about to say like Ashley's really seen you through everything she literally has <laughs> we student taught at the same school mm-hmm that's crazy. What was student teaching like? I didn't student teach. I just, they were like, oh, you have a degree? Here's a set of keys. Good luck. You can go either way. Like you can have a wonderful mentor. You can have an awful mentor. I yeah. had one of each. <laughs> Me too. Like, I had um, one of each as well. At the school we were at together, like I loved my mentor teacher. She was very supportive, very helpful. I think I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. It was but rough think- to be at a school that wasn't supportive though. Definitely. Like it felt like they just wanted us for free labor and not to like actually like a stipend. that's crazy that you have to pay money and then like indirectly they get the money yeah you know what i mean like yeah. it's robbery and then you know there's people who go through really hard situations during student teaching and then it's like you're out of luck because you don't get paid mm-hmm. and then you and your two large dogs have to live in an apartment with no windows or refrigerators I I literally put a mattress on the floor and a dumpster dived couch and was like, we're good. Los Angeles, man. Nothing like it. Money was a big part too of me wanting to leave teaching. Like I made Mm -hmm. more as a full-time nanny than I did when I was teaching. Uh Like, which is nuts. Like, which is nuts. Like it's not feasible, especially if you want to live in LA. Like it just doesn't. And like to think of like having a family, like, like you said, unless I have like a sugar daddy, like good luck to me. Yeah. I looked up LAUSD salary schedule side by side to what's considered low income in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Literally teachers are low income. They mimic it. <laughs> you look at the salary schedule next to the low income table and you realize that the government is acknowledging that teachers with families are low income because you cannot make enough yeah. to support yourself unless you are in a dual income household. That's what the same conclusion I came to. So when I taught in Florida, I wasn't considered low low income because I didn't have any kids. But if I had had any dependence on my taxes, I would have qualified for like a lot of programs. So in Florida, at least in the district I taught in, you're at base salary until you cross year 10. So I was like, I'm a, I'm just gonna be here making this amount. Like I was like, the only way I get help is if I have a baby, this feels backwards. <laughs> like If you look at LAUSD's salary schedule, it looks great because it's big and like there's different numbers. But if you really sit down and look at it, the vast majority of the jumps, the bonuses that you're getting are literally like six dollars. Yeah. Deadass and they're six dollars. Like going at the same rate as like how much cost of living is out here. They're not no. moving at the same rate. 
No. Yeah, they're like staying like where they are. So I'm sure California is a similar like situation, but I ran the numbers for Florida because now I work in real estate. Housing in Florida for rentals, the cost in the area that I'm in has gone up 70% since COVID first hit and teachers haven't gotten a raise in Florida since 2019. So like that's what's driving it here is the housing crisis. And I'm sure California, like what you're saying, is a similar housing situation when like the math is just not mathing. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But yeah, money was, I think, a big part of it too. Yeah. The amount of work I was putting in was not worth the amount of time I was also putting in. And not to be like a super simp for capitalism, but like in most industries, the harder you work and the better your performance is, the more you get paid. You get recognition bonuses, you get all these things and it's an incentive. And like most teachers are doing the Lord's work they're 100% in rock on. But like every job, there's people that are phoning it in. And like, it just gives the teachers that are putting in blood, sweat and tears. It's like, I do this and get literally nothing except like children's joy, which is like, obviously great or whatever. But like, unfortunately, my landlord doesn't accept children's joy at this current moment in time. So I guess like the lack of incentives in education and incentives to not only be effective at your job, but to stay in your job and feel like this effort you're putting in is being rewarded and recognized yeah I had like a parent come up to me like oh I don't even know how you can handle my kid for eight hours and I was like what that's so mean I've gotten gifts of alcohol because people were like yeah teach my child so here I've gotten like money which like makes me feel weird nice just straight up cash <laughs> and I'm just like mm, okay. I got that too I loved it and say I would love it look so I was like okay like this is kind of weird but like okay the experience that I had teaching on the West side was otherworldly. And my friends who teach there are like, oh, I got this, I got that. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. I remember the gifts. I remember <laughs> this. crazy to my me. My birthday, I got a $400 gift card to Burke Williams Spa, which I would never be able to go to on my own. I've gotten like candlesticks from Tiffany of all places. Yeah. So I think I know exactly what's happening here because now I work with like mega bougie people and most like mega bougie people who have staff have like a go-to gift that their assistant just gives everyone for a birthday and appreciation, all that. Like I was in someone's office and they had a giant stack of $250 gift cards to this really nice spa where I live. And I was like, why do you have like 10 of those? And she was like, oh, we just buy these. And then every time it's someone's anything, he tells me to send one out. So she she sent one to the kid's teacher. That's why we were talking about it. And I was like, that's the nicest teacher gift that lady's gonna get, I guarantee it. So you're not teaching anymore or you are teaching? No, I'm not teaching. I work at a real estate brokerage getting yelled at on the phone. And nice. I was on maternity leave and then now I'm quit. Oh, okay. You're like, I quit done. today. <laughs> Today was the day. That's why we had party hats earlier. Because we just filmed an episode where I talked about it. But basically, like, I was working at <laughs> and it was a hellscape. It was insane. Oh, okay. And I realized at the end of the day, whether they approve my maternity leave or not, whatever, I don't want to work for them. So I was like, actually, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's anything mm-hmm. that could make you go back to teaching? I, I feel like I need to see some, like, real institutional change. Like, yeah. I think a, a lot of the bigger issues lie within the district itself. at least within LUSD. I know I've heard there's other districts that are better, but I haven't experienced those. And I think there's just a lot of like internal issues within LUSD. And unless those are addressed, it's just not going to change. It's also like within my experience, I had parents who like the district. Yep. 
all the ongoing lawsuits. And like when you find out that LAUSD has a backstop of billions of dollars. They just have that. They're just like, mm, for a rainy day. Yes, dead ass. It's to pay for all the lawsuits. Dude, they <laughs> literally like sit on this money and do nothing with it. Just how on our last episode, I was talking about how the school system is a front for the insurance company. LAUSD is just a front for like a predatory bank, like a pre-depression regulatory FDIC world. So the Transparency mm-hmm. Foundation ran a story about how schools are diverting billions in COVID-19 funds for bailouts. It's all about LAUSD. You get all this money for COVID and teachers are actively like, where do I go? Yeah. Oh, and honestly, I'm glad I got out before COVID. Oh, I'm like, I couldn't imagine like even trying to like navigate that situation. So being that you got out before COVID, was there one moment or like a couple moments where things happened that you were just like, no, we're done. I need to make an exit plan. Because I know COVID was the tipping point for a lot of people. I think it was mainly just the lack of support. There was another new teacher with me that year. She was in second grade and seeing the support she got from like her own team. Like I didn't really get that. I don't know if I was too much comparing my experience to hers, but I just felt like there were instances where like I was talked at versus talked to about certain things and not oh let me help you with this I would like literally walk into another teacher's classroom who was on the same team as me and be like oh you did this okay I'm gonna do it tomorrow because I was like oh that's a cool thing I wish I'd known about earlier that I could have incorporated like when you're new you're kind of learning the curriculum that the school does Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to be in line with your team but then like I would walk into some people in my team's classrooms and be like wait I wish like more things were shared there was more collaboration and community within the school I was in at least but that was just like my experience just like the lack of support and feeling just very alone Mm -hmm. we've talked about administrators a lot on here and like things that they don't do whatever but I think one piece that administrators can do that helps retain teachers that's within their control is like creating solid communities the first principal I worked for was really good because he empowered our department head to train us to give us advice on things and was like mentor these teachers it's up to the administrators to create that culture for the school because that doesn't just happen out of nowhere You know, people don't just start being a great team and collaborating. Like it has to be modeled and encouraged and kind of shown like we have new teachers. Let's take them under our wing. Let's do a planning. Like I had, I didn't work for her. She was a coach for another department. For every new teacher in her department, she planned out the first three weeks of their lessons and had all their materials ready the first day of school and said, your only job is to learn how to function and learn how to teach for this first month. And like, I'm going to be in your classroom with you helping you. And she did that because the principal set her up to do that and said, do it, go for it. You own it. Yeah. Oh, this was another thing. Like I did have like a break at one point where I like I did shed a little bit of tears in front of the kids, which I know is not appropriate. And but I'm human and it can happen. Like I've seen it happen in other classrooms. I've cried in front of my kids multiple times. So I I cried at a Disney movie in front of them. Yeah. Like I think parents were very bothered by it because I was just having a hard time with classroom management. I think parents were very bothered by it. My principal did not I think like after that, like did not look at me the same. And I just felt constantly judged for it, even though I tried to be better. I'm and so I think irritated that they judge that. you for crying. Exactly. And it's like, our teachers getting to the point of tears in the classroom? I know what'll help. Let's judge the shit out of her. Maybe that'll make her cry less. Like, no, if you're an administrator and you found out your teacher was crying in class on that walkie, you should be in that room. Like, we're good. We are good to go take a break. I got it. Like every single time I've cried, it's not- not been like oh she's doing something wrong it's like why did you make your teacher cry <laughs> like 
I think like I had other points where I almost broke, but I would actively like walk out of the room. And like, this really bothered me. Like my principal at the time, like later in the year, asked one of my kids, not even checking in on me, like how has she been doing lately? Like that's also so like developmentally going to mess up a kid. Like for you to have like this authority figure, like asking about this other authority figure, that kid's definitely has a weird relationship to education now that's gonna come up later I'm just so sorry that you had that experience and like you weren't even that young like the fact that they're like giving you grief about being young like we were what yeah, like, I'm 24 24 oh wow that's kind of young but wow not that young I got hired to teach I remember my first year teaching I got hired when I was 21 and there was a kid in my class that was nine months younger than me wow You're I good. have even professors now that are younger than me so I was like yeah. good for you. When you I feel like when you see that you should build the person up not necessarily yeah like bring them down like and you're like wow you've like accomplished a lot good for you and like where do they think veteran teachers come from like do they think they just grow out of the ground like a cabbage patch kid like you have to train people people have to start from somewhere like that's just the natural cycle of life like a teacher retires the new generation of teachers is coming in it's just always happening yeah. mm-hmm. i mean i wouldn't want to i much happier I am much happier that's good what led me to teaching honestly was that like I love working with kids and like teaching was the only thing like I really thought of I was like okay working with kids teaching Mm -hmm. I didn't know there were other things that I could do professionally like besides a nanny and I didn't think I wanted to be a nanny for the rest of my life and then like one of my best friends went to speech therapy school and then I learned more about OT while in school and within the school district itself like I worked with the OT in my school pretty closely like with a few students and then I was like this is a cool job I wish I knew known about it sooner and throughout my year teaching I was like wow if I knew about this before like this is what I would have pursued and then after the year I was like you know I'm still young I can do it it can feel so overwhelming to change paths when you already committed so much like time energy money effort all that into something but anyone listening to this that's like if you want to make a change and you don't want to go back to school you're nervous about that like the time you'll spend in school in my opinion is like nothing compared to you just like sitting and waiting because you're afraid to move you know what I'm saying yeah it's like you don't want to just sit there and be like miserable like I I was just like I can't continue doing this like for my own mental health and life like I need to change this up so other teachers at that school are you still like connected with them do you know like have other teachers at that school had a similar experience to you or I don't think so like the girl I started with is still there like I think she's She's fine with it. I've noticed a few changes since like I've left in terms of like moving grades. I should probably look at how many teachers have changed since I've been there. But that's crazy. And even that was like the pre-COVID year. So I'm sure like in recent times, it's probably gotten even worse, just like statistically, assuming the school is not an anomaly of all of those issues. For real. So when you like think about your OT career, would you ever go back to that school and be like, hey, I'm a authority now and I know (laughs) so much and you need me so bad like would you ever like maybe yeah I don't know but I don't know if that's like where I'd want to work right away like I do want to experience hospitals for a while after that it kind of turned me off from working with kids for a little bit but I was just kind of like I need to experience adults like I need to see what other things like what if I like adults I just didn't know because I never did it but I do actually realize I do love working with kids that's where my passion lies it's just teaching wasn't for me as someone who works with adults 
two out of ten. Um, not nearly, not nearly as exciting as yeah. I'm not a fan myself. Yeah, I like always tell people I'm like I can understand like when kids have tantrums, like there's some underlying need that's not getting met. Like there's something else going on that they cannot. Their prefrontal cortex isn't developed. Something's going on. When when adults have tantrums, like I just have a hard time empathizing. So I'm like, you're a grown adult. Yeah, you know better. Like unless there's something exactly wrong, but I'm just like, why are you acting like that? Like when a kid does something that's like not great, you're like, oh, you're going through a lot. Like because I talk high school I'm like your hormones are raging on your body you're trying to figure out who you are like that's why you were being mean to me I can get it but now when it's an adult I'm like literally pull yourself together have some decorum like what are you doing here yeah <laughs> and then I'm here like but crying's okay crying crying's allowed yelling is not I always tell my students you can be angry anger is a valid emotion and it's totally fine but you can't hurt other people with your anger. You can't hurt their heart or their bodies mm-hmm. when you're angry. I just yeah. feel like a lot of adults need that lesson too. Like it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to be a hateful asshole. Yeah, I'm it's like how you channel that energy. I'm taking that. In my next customer one-on-ones, I'm going to be like, it's okay to be angry that your listing panel was printed on the wrong size. However, it's not okay to hurt others. <laughs> <laughs> use it use it is there anything else you'd like to add that we have not discussed so i think that's pretty much it it's been good to catch up with you though there's like quite a few people and i think our program that aren't teaching anymore yeah it was a really rough time to get started yeah. i have a good question and i want both of you to answer what makes a mentor teacher helpful and great or for like a student teacher and also for like first year teachers what makes a older teacher a mentor of any capacity like what makes them a good mentor that maybe could have helped you feel supported? Constructive criticism is like a big thing. If there's criticism, making it constructive, thinking of like, oh, try this next time and like helping to see that change. And that's like an overall positive attitude. Like I don't want to come into a classroom student teaching and see a mentor teacher who like looks like he or he or she doesn't want to come into work. <laughs> I haven't taken a student teacher yet because I just don't feel that I have the skills to um, really mentor them. I think it would be great to have a pay bump. I think it would be great to have an extra set of hands in the classroom, but like, because that's what it would be about for me. And I wouldn't feel that I could add value to their educational experience. I, I wouldn't do it. And that for me is like the number one issue with some mentor teachers. Yeah. It seems like some people, yeah, take it as like, oh, an extra body. Like, yes, I can take a break. Like I can mm-hmm. grade papers or do whatever. And you're just like. I'm also interested in like what the mentorship looks like on their end. So I had an official mentor teacher, but that is not actually who mentored me. Someone else mentored me because the guy that actually mentored me was like, hey, I dropped out of being a mentor teacher because because the amount of paperwork I had to do was just absolutely ridiculous and I didn't have time to actually do mentoring like talking and observing you and giving you feedback because I was just doing so much paperwork so he would basically do the actual like emotional labor of mentoring and then the on record lady would do all the paperwork so he wasn't getting paid for any of that so he would like observe me and helped me write my lessons and stuff like that and taught me a lot my first year. He was great, still teaching, has taught high school social studies for like 20 years. But I'm wondering like, when it comes to student teaching, it's not just the mentor teacher to the student teacher. I'm wondering like how that district and that program is setting up mentor teachers to either be successful or to not be successful. From my understanding, they're they're not set up at all. They're like, here's the person's name. They'll be here on Tuesday. Or you don't even get the person's name and they just show up. I wonder if they have like a class or something. I don't know. I don't think they do yeah. though. I think we just kind of, I'll take it. I think it varies a ton district to district and probably program to program, which I also think is interesting that like, 
I would love to see data about like each student teaching program, how long those people stayed in education, their feelings about it, like to see data about what works and what doesn't for student teaching. Cause I think it's a super critical time. I wonder, I'm sure we'll get other people in the comments and we should ask other guests. I'm sure there is studies and data, but like seeing how different programs structure their student teaching and how it impacts like a teacher's longevity in the classroom. So like this program, it was very structured. The person got a lot of support. They had these scheduled one-on-ones and they stayed for 10 years compared to, you know, that has to be out there. I think that's really yeah. interesting. There has to be something to it because if you think about the issues that we face as teachers, so much could be remedied by us having proper mentorship and people really investing support, in support. Yeah. Yeah. Support is something that time and time again I mean it's something you mentioned Ashley like you didn't receive that from your teammates and it really impacted you your first year teaching and didn't even start teaching at all because she had such a shit experience student teaching and it leaves you feeling like is this what the education world is so I think that that's a really good yeah I didn't student teach clearly I didn't last that long (laughs) so stats on like people who do student teach but versus don't do don't do student teaching in any way I wish there was more of an emphasis on classroom management because like when we do student teaching you go into this classroom like two weeks after they started so the teacher already established their management of how they do things and you don't really get to see it that first day and I think that's where I struggled a lot like I didn't set those expectations Mm -hmm. as clearly as I should have kids were like oh she's so chill like we can get away with a lot and that like really like got to me when I was like trying to ask for respect or certain things and it wasn't happening yeah if the respect isn't there from the beginning it's very difficult to win back I think I had a good advice before I started teaching about like that specific thing around setting norms and expectations and rules and so it's shocking and disturbing to me that in student teaching at least in this program and I'm sure lots of other programs because the public school doesn't always align with the college calendar you don't see that first couple weeks and like that first couple weeks is so important in building like a classroom management system. So it seems like we're really doing a disservice to student teachers by like having them miss out on that stage. A hundred percent. The best thing I ever did was request to watch the first day of school. And I always recommend that to people who, if you have yeah. the opportunity, if you're an aspiring teacher and you know that you're going to miss the first day of school, find someone in your life, mm-hmm. if not through your program, through just your own experience, find somebody to watch that first day because the notes you take that day, they're very impactful because as a teacher, every single year, the first day of school, I'd be like, what did I do on the, how does this day work? Like I forget every single year because you're in this rush of adrenaline and like craziness, you'll forget. And it helps to have something to to work off of I mean your first Mm -hmm. year teaching you're just copying what you saw in student teaching and Mm -hmm. you know trying your best to emulate it and then slowly you're like I can put my own spin on it but at first it really helps yeah Ashley is there anything else you wanted to add or anything you wanted to re-explain or reiterate or any administrators you want to throw under the bus yeah talk some (laughs) shit about anything else no I think and what I think drew me to OT was I think like my favorite place to hang out honestly was like the resource and special ed room at my school like I used to go hang out with them all the time I was I think I saw their teamwork and I was just like oh like it looks nice (laughs) yeah even though like you ended up leaving teaching I think it's still really cool that it was like an avenue for you to find a niche that more like fits your interest and your passion and I think teachers who have left the classroom bring really amazing skills to those other industries so I'm sure like your teaching experience will be so supportive and so helpful once you are like fully in your moment and thriving in OT and I'm sure other 
occupational therapist will learn stuff from you and get perspectives from you that they might not have had if they haven't been in education and seen what it's like there. Yeah, I really look at that year as like a year of learning and growth for myself and like leading to where I am now. Of course, at the time I was like miserable and like trying to just like avoid everything. But I look back at it and I was like, you know, I grew as a person. I learned a lot. A lot of the things I think I learned really apply well to OT, like when working with others and seeing like what works. And I like, I learned like what works for me, what doesn't and how I can Mm -hmm. improve myself as a person. Mm -hmm. I love seeing people on their journey. Me too. Especially people that like, obviously I know, and we've, we've been in the trenches together. So it makes me happy Mm -hmm. to see you doing something that's going to make you really happy. Can we come to your graduation? We have party hats. We are ready. Thank you all so much for joining Teacher Quit Talk. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. We are so grateful for your insight, your perspective. I'm so excited to see what you do in the OT world, helping all the people that benefit from OT. Fraz, thank you for bringing on your your icon who was with you in the trenches. It was an honor. So happy that we got to catch up. Thank you guys. Remember to please, for the love of God, rate and review us. Only positively. Only positive, please. We're very sensitive. And do it on Spotify or Apple because they're the ones that rank us. Bop it, twist it. Affirm everything. We love you. We'll Venmo request you. Uh. Love you so much. Kisses.